I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hi there. Welcome to episode 284. Hello. (laughs) Thank you to our wonderful Patreon supporters for supporting this show and keeping it going every week and providing wonderful topic suggestions to us and supporting us financially. Thank you. Today we are talking about ways to make more money in your business, which everybody likes. (laughs) But here's the hard part. How to make extra money without trying to do too many things. It's really a two-sided coin that you have to think about. You have to think through each side. It's something that we have struggled with in our own business. We feel like sometimes we're leaving money on the table and nobody likes that, but it's hard. We get contacted for all sorts of things and we don't like telling people no. You probably don't like telling people no either, especially if it's your clients and they're asking you to do something and you want to accommodate them because you want to keep you want to have them keep coming back. So it's easy to get caught up in trying to be all things to all people, especially when money is involved, but you cannot be all things to all people. It's kind of a a reality check that sometimes we have to have with ourselves. We start saying yes to things just because we know the client will pay, even though it's not really something that we're passionate about, or it's not a good fit for us or our business, or it's not a direction we're wanting to go. But we need to make sure that we don't start overextending ourselves with our services or our products because sometimes they're not a good fit or they don't make us as much money as we think, especially if they're very labor intensive or it, you know, it doubles our effort for less money. The problem with offering way too many things is that you lose focus on what you are currently doing. You know, how you market or service a product is not how you'll need to market a different one in most cases. So you'll have to spend time learning about different marketing strategies or networking or educating. So if you're struggling with some of your current offerings, adding something new will just make the issues worse in some cases. So it can be hard sometimes because we have a lot of services that we potentially want to offer because we always want to make more money, but then we don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. But at the same time, you want to be meeting your clients' needs and you want to be serving them well. And you want to make sure that you have a diversified business to be matching the changing market demands and not really, you know, it, it, like you said, it is this not this desire of not wanting to leave money on the table. But at the same time, if we get stretched too thin, we're not going to be doing everything well or everything with excellence. So you're right. We do have to walk that fine line between going, I need to offer enough services so that I can be meeting the needs of my clients, but I can't be offering too many where I am now spread thin. I'm not able to do them as well as I would like to. But COVID and the pandemic taught us that we should not be putting all of our eggs in one basket. So if we only offered dog walking middays, I know we're getting really busy and starting to come into the summer travel season, so we are very busy as businesses, but but we also need to balance that out a little bit. COVID taught us the lesson of always being adaptable to the changing needs. Exactly. However, if we have too much on our plate, too much things that we're trying to keep track of, we overcomplicate our business and we start doing things that we didn't get into business to do in the first place. Well, and you have to look at your services based on what is bringing you the most profit. So if you start to have some add-on services and either nobody is using them or they aren't generating enough to really make it worth your time, you have to look at that as well. Well, because the diversity of services gives you an awful lot. Right, You can see a lot of changes in the market, but at the 
the end of the day, what you also have to remember is that the quote-unquote basic services of drop-ins and dog walks are actually very complicated. And you already have a variety of services within just those two, way more than you already, way more than you probably think. Are you talking about like a number of animals or what What do you mean? Yeah. We all know that a dog walk is not a dog walk is not a dog walk. You walk dogs differently depending on the breed, the age, medical conditions, time of year, client needs. You could separate each and every single one of those out and make a different variety of service from them. So in all actual, in all likelihood right now, I think a lot of people actually offer way more services than they would give themselves credit for. And that's where we start to stumble into some issues, where we have spread ourselves thin already. We already do a lot of one-offs, a lot of edge cases, trying to meet clients' needs without actually stepping back and doing an assessment and going, okay, I'm doing this kind of dog walk, or I'm doing this kind of drop-in, or I'm doing this one service that this one client has me do. Am I actually making money from it? If I did that 10 more times, would I be able to do it as well as I'm doing it then? And until we see the foundation that we're starting with, we have no rhyme or reason trying to build something on top of that, adding brand new services. We have to make a big assessment of what we're actually offering. Sit down, write out all those edge cases, look at all of your clients and go, hmm, oh yeah, this one person, they do ask me sometimes just to pick up poop. Is that, if I just did poop scooping, would that make me happy? Or this one client, they do want me to go on an hour and a half or two hour long adventure walk. If I did that 10 more times, would that, is that something that I would like to offer? And just see what you're already doing and then decide what you want more of. And so that's really the struggle here is should you add on something? Should you not? And so when you are thinking about it, there are three questions that you need to ask. The first one is, does this align with what I'm currently doing and my mission? If you are thinking of doing something, but it's not in your mission statement, or if it doesn't align with why you're in business in the first place, it's probably not a good fit. Well, and that's not to say that, again, that your why and your mission cannot change over time, but it should be really hard to change that in business. That should not be something that just changes on a whim. So think of it first of my mission and my goal and my why, those don't change. So why do I need to be moving this service? If you really are feeling something is needed, needing to change, you need to make a big shift in your business, that's totally fine. But don't be changing the foundations of your business on a whim. Yeah. So let's say you're offering dog walking and suddenly you want to also do car wraps. <laughs> well, there's no synergy there, I guess, unless you're doing car wraps for you. Or are you, are you car wrapping dogs? I don't know. Don't well, do that. <laughs> for your clients. But there's really no, there's no synergy. And so effectively, there are two separate businesses and they should be treated as such. There's nothing wrong with owning multiple businesses. We do it. But it's just you need to be treating them as different. That's a crazy example, but it shows you how you have to start doubling your efforts when you offer those type of services that are so different from what you do, which can be a waste of time and money if you don't want to go down the road of having another business. The second question you need to ask yourself is, is there a market or a need for this? You may be super busy and successful with what you are currently doing. That's great. But it doesn't mean that just because you start offering something new that it'll work out the same. So you need to know, is there a big market for this? Are there people interested that are willing to buy from me, whether it's a service or product or whatever? 
and roughly how many people that will be. If it's just something in your local community, that will be smaller than something you offer digitally. And when we are successful, it may be sometimes hard to see that we might not be successful in all things that we do. And so we can get high on our hubris as we go through the world and think, well, because I'm good at this one thing, I'll be excellent at this other thing. That's not always true. Anytime, again, we look to add, change, or differentiate what we are currently doing, we do need to strip everything back down to the basics and go fundamentally, what is there? What will support this? The third question you need to ask is, do I have the processes and structure in place to do this? Very important. I mean, you may want to offer poop scooping, but can they book it on your website? Is it already listed on there? Do you have the tools and know-how for how to handle all of the poop and structure your new policies and procedures? I know that Krupen's Poop and Scoopin', we had her way back on in episode 43, she changed up several of her policies and she no longer collects the poop. So this is something that we need to think about when we are offering new services is can I, do I have the infrastructure to handle this? You know, offering a service or a product without the support that you need whether it's physical or digital, it's going to lead to a poor client experience and probably immense frustration to you and your staff. Keep in mind the client overload, though, so try to keep it as simple as possible. Again, it's balancing the jack-of-all-trades thing with what's realistic for your business and what you actually want to be doing and what you think your clients will actually use. It would be silly to offer poop scooping when you know that there's a big scooping business that most of your clients use. They're probably not going to switch over to you if they're already using somebody somebody that's well-established in your area. So we wanted to give some ideas for you to consider adding to your business. You may consider these or you may not at all and be totally happy with where you're at. And the first one is products. I think everyone's favorite thing, at least to think about theoretically. But there are some questions that you need to ask yourself and make sure that you have solved before you venture down this road too much is, how will you source the products? Where are they going to come from? Locally, are you going to have them shipped online? Will they be branded? Are you just going to offer generic products to solve certain problems in your client's life? Will you have an online store or are you just going to offer it to existing clients? Are you going to ship them or are you going to do drop shipping or are you going to hold inventory in your home? Do you have space for that? Something simple to start with could be to partner with a local company who makes dog treats that you can buy wholesale and then offer to your clients. If you don't have the processes for shipping or management of inventory, do the work to get that set up. Additionally, you'll have to know how to track and account for sales tax, which many of us don't have to do since we are service only in our pet care side. And that's actually been a major reason that's kept Megan and I from offering products. We really don't want to further complicate tax filing or add any more paperwork or pay for another service to track and document things that we are doing. So this is where this idea of going... I may want to add another service. I may want to add another product. But what's the back-end work that I have to do to make that successful? And is it worth it to me, my time, my money, my attention, my stress? Sometimes it's just not. If you're particularly crafty, you may make something like snuffle mats or dog treats. But if you do go into selling things that are edible, make sure that you have the proper licenses to sell these treats as a business. And if you are interested in opening an e-commerce store, you can listen to episode 230 with Jenna Gotch. She gives awesome advice on exactly how she did it for her dog walking and pet sitting business. Something else that I know a lot of pet sitters think about offering are training programs. And this area gets into a little bit of a gray side, because if you're actually going to start offering training, 
training, legitimate training with groups and with certification and things like that, you really need to go and get trainer certified through one of the many reputable programs that are out there. That way, you'll be able to charge what you need to and be a better asset and resource to the people coming to you. However, on the other side of this, you can offer dog training a reinforcement programs, not true training from scratch, but reinforcing things that the dogs already know and offer that as an additional add-on package or just make it part of what you do already. Yeah, since you're already over there for a drop-in or dog walk, an extra 10 to 15 minutes of you repeating over and over, sit, stay, come, you know, all those basics or whatever the dog is working on at that time is a pretty easy add-on to do since you're already over there. (laughs) Well, and a great thing that you can do with this is actually reach out and partner with a handful of trainers in your area so that whenever they have clients who are going through their training program, they can refer their clients to you for their pet sitting needs because they know that you're going to stay consistent with them and be in alignment with how they run their programs. And the next one is poop scooping. We have already mentioned this, but it is a great option. It does include a lot of additional driving, though. Um, If you're already there at the client's home, not so much. But if you are adding it on as an additional actual service not included with the drop-in or dog walk, you will have to drive from client to client. Then there's the issue of the poop. What do you do with the poop? Do you leave it at the client's home? Do you dispose of it somewhere? Looking into exactly what your city regulations have how you can dispose of it, where you can dispose it, what you're charged to do all that, and what a lot of the city and county health guidelines are for moving that. So yeah, if you are crazy busy with existing clients, this might not think about adding this on and trying to bring in more new clients, but as an upgrade or an upserve, upsell charge up to this additional service for your existing clients is a great way to go about that. And if you're adding it to an existing client service, then it streamlines your process even more and prevents you from having to drive double the distance. Another add-on you may think of doing is a hygiene package. So do you have dogs that are in between full grooms but just need a little touch-up here and there? You can consider adding on a hygiene package. You can include anal glands, nail trims, toothbrushing, ear cleaning, a light hair trim around the eyes, butt, paw pads, whatever they need to just get them in between the grooms. And obviously, this can be pretty involved if you need, if you want it to be, and it's not the best fit for every dog because some don't like it and some want to protect their home. <laughs> yeah, we recently started offering this, and it's really amazing for us to see just how different the dogs are between their experience as a groomer versus doing this in their home. Because Through this process, we've learned that a lot of dogs have actually developed a a learned helplessness. So what that is is that they have learned that no matter how much they struggle, nothing is going to change, so they just give up. And unfortunately, this can be interpreted as them being a well-behaved dog or a great dog at the groomers or at the vets. However, whenever they are then in their home where they are safer, where they're more relaxed, their true colors shine and they come out and they really do give us a struggle. They really do try and run. And so we have to have that communication and that conversation with clients of going, well, I know your groomer says that they are wonderful and amazing. Um, In their home, they're not. (laughs) And so working with them through that process, developing a routine, making sure it's safe and fear-free and a good experience for them is really foundational to what we are doing, but we're having to undo some things that they've learned and bad behaviors that they've learned because they're expressing themselves differently now that they are in their home. 
There's also specialty services if you want to offer them. It's another option for making extra money by creating the specialty services like puppy-specific packages or the other end of the spectrum, geriatric care, or just an enrichment visit as well. Maybe you buy a bunch of different dog puzzles and snuffle mats and lots of mental stimulation for the dog and bring it over. So maybe it's a very hot summer day and you aren't willing to walk the dog in the heat or it's a big husky and you can't walk the dog in 90 degree heat in Phoenix. So you bring over a bunch of puzzles and you have that as your service instead of a dog walk. Or you can consider adding on specialty services like pet taxi, wedding pet attendant, adventure walks, things that are maybe a little bit more in line with what you are currently doing. They're just different variations on that theme. Well, and then there's house sitting, which you may know what I'm talking about, but you actually don't. So, <gasps> not, No, not that housing. The other house sitting. Yeah. But no, no, not that one. The other one. Well, so people <laughs> take their pets when they travel. If they're going camping for two weeks and they want to take their pet with them, their house still needs to be looked after. Maybe they have plants. Maybe, you know, they're going to have mail and packages being delivered. Not everybody stops their mail. Or the, they'll need lawn care or a house cleaner comes over. Or what, you know, the, the house still needs to be maintained even when they are not there, when they're, even when their pets are not there. So offering this as a way to say, hey, even when your dog is not there, I can still come over and flip lights and make it seem like somebody is still home, even though you're out traveling the country for two weeks. As with anything that we think about adding, definitely double check your insurance and your the policy that you have to make sure that it is covered. It should really be number step two or three on the process of should I add this or is this something that I can do? First off, is it something I want to do? And then secondly, am I insured to do this? And that includes something like especially service like dog yoga. And for this, we'd really recommend starting with your existing client base. You already know the dogs. You already know the people. So you can do personal invites to the people who you think would benefit most most from this kind of thing. And that way you can keep it small, well-controlled, and well-organized, and you don't have unknown people with unknown dogs arriving and possibly fights or injuries breaking out. Yeah. This also goes to maybe a monthly get-together that you do only for your clients. So this is not, when we talk about add-on services, it's not just something you can do while you're at the drop-in. You can do that option as well, but just other services that you can do to make money. Well, or just also go a long ways to building community and bringing people together, which is a great way to do something like a membership group. Look at your current client base and offer them a a VIP something. Basically, you're looking at the dedicated client who's looking for more. They want more of you. So give them access to a membership group where they can learn uh, specific tips and tricks, monthly meetups like Megan mentioned, maybe discounts on services or products that you're offering. But really at the core of this, it's a community of other like-minded, dedicated pet owners that you now can help and assist in, in new and more personalized ways. Two more that I wanted to mention. One was dog photography. So we all have amazing iPhones or Androids, whatever you have, but we all have amazing cameras on our phones and we take pictures of pets literally all day. So you can start offering some of your photography services if that is something that you have a passion for. If you take really great photos or maybe you are an artist and you want to draw some of your clients' dogs and sell those, it's a great way to showcase your artistic abilities, whether it's photography or drawing or painting. Your clients can know a little bit more about you as well. 
And that's a good reminder when we look to add services or do more in our business. We don't always have to go and get out a brand new education or certification like in training or something like that. We can look at the skills that we currently do. So if you are an artist, if you are artistically inclined, going, oh, how can I bring this passion into my pet business? How can I merge these two and be be living more aligned with who I am as a person? And the last one I wanted to mention was house cleaning. So this is not necessarily everyone's forte or most favorite thing to do in the world, but we are at clients' homes. And if you enjoy housework, whether it's light or deep cleaning, maybe it's something that you want to offer to your clients. And you could pitch it as if you add on my cleaning services, I'll get to spend another hour or two hours around your dog and in your home alongside them while I'm also cleaning and sprucing up before you come back. So that'd be a, a very interesting way to pitch that of, okay, you went backpacking for two months and now you would like to come back to your home and it'd be fresh. I'm caring for your pets and I'm watering your plants already. There's this little extra package that I can add on where I spend my last three hours here getting it all nice and tidy for you to arrive. Given the state of technology with a lot of people, I really think moving into more digital products is a very interesting place for us to position ourselves in. You could do something like write a book or put together an educational pamphlet that, or a course that you could provide to your clients or to your community that they could pay for and have access to. And one of the most amazing things about whenever we move into the digital space is that instead of having to replicate ourselves by booking more time throughout the day, you have to make it once and then it's copy and paste. So there's no more effort on your part to sell 20 items as there it is 20,000. And that's about 20-ish ways of adding extra income to your business. There's obviously a ton of products and services that you could add to your existing business. And you may find that if you do decide to do some of these, they may become immensely popular and you can pivot your business to address them more directly. But they also provide a diversity of income and help during rocky, uncertain times. I hope we never have to go through what we did two years ago, but you never know. On the other hand, remember that it's easy to add services and then find ourselves stretched too thin and run ragged. It's something we talked about at the beginning of this episode. So we really have to keep in mind exactly what the goal is. If we are adding on a service, what is the end goal? Is this a forever decision that you're going to make? Is this just you want to try it out and see how it goes? We have personally decided to keep our services as laser-focused as possible. It really helps with our marketing and our messaging. We really only offer two main services. But as you mentioned a minute ago, because each client is different and each household with the number of pets they have is different, we really do offer a ton of actual services within those two main services. Yeah. And that, and that's what we don't, as I mentioned, we fit, forget that. And we think that we only do one or two things, but you do so many. Look at each one of your clients. That's a unique service that you provide to that person because they have unique demands, needs, requirements, and specifications that you have to work on meeting and designing that visit around. And this is something that has really been highlighted to me as we have brought on staff. And I thought we would just have a pretty standardized training for each and every single one of them. But as I onboard them and I show them how to do a particular client, I'm realizing that what we're actually showing them is a specific service that we are meeting that exact client's needs. Obviously within reason, right? 
We can't go to the moon and back for them, but we really do go a long way to making that as personalized as possible. And that is something that I know that you listening to this, that you do as well. It just takes writing it out to sometimes see it and realize exactly how specialized a lot of what you do is. And it does help our clients to know exactly who we are and what we do as well when we are able to specifically target and message them. You know, we'd almost rather every single one of our services we offer be the best in class than offer everything under the sun and be average. But as with everything, you have to figure out what is going to work for your business. Does that mean does that mean we'll never offer a new service? No. We recently added hygiene packages, but only after we have the staff skills, training, processes and contracts in place to do it well. We want to raise the bar for pet care and that means obviously catering as much as we can to our clients within limitations, but also that means that we need to be focused on exactly the goals for our business. Yeah, setting limitations and strictures around ourselves and how we operate. We knowing again laser focus going I can't offer everything. So that means what I do offer needs to be the absolute best that it can be. So I'm not going to move forward something until I've done my, all of my research, until I've done the training, until I have the right staff to do it, until I've legally protected, until I have can replicate this on a reliable basis. Until I have all of these things met, there's no reason for us. We have no business going and doing all these random things. If we're going to commit to offering it as a separate thing that people are going to be paying for, and a lot of this comes from your your expertise and your experience from each individual client, you can pull from all of that, what you're currently doing, and go, okay, what are my requirements to put this forward? What is going to represent me and my business well? Because you also have to think if you are constantly changing and every three months you're adding something else on or removing a service and adding another one in, your clients are going to get confused and your potential clients are not going to know exactly what you offer. Yeah, you're committing to something too, right? I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to pick your poop up by adding on to this contract and by having you pay me and commit to blah, blah, blah. Recognize that you have now committed yourself to that to some extent. Obviously, we can pull out of things, we can cancel stuff. But if you view it as a commitment, I'm not going to enter anything that I can't finish and I can't finish well. That's a promise that I made to myself, to the company, to everything that we do. And that's a, I feel like when we commit to something, we need to make sure that we can finish it well. Because otherwise, as you said, we're just going to be blowing in the wind and we're not going to know where we're going. And our clients are going to get confused. Our messaging is going to get confused. Company culture gets impacted. It has a huge trickle-down effect. And one last thing is you do have to balance this out with client overload. Sure. Because when you think about when you go into a restaurant and you see there are 87 different options, it is very overwhelming. And usually people will pick the first two or, you know, first couple things that are listed up there because they just feel so overwhelmed. If you go into a shoe store and you have no idea what you're looking for, but there are so many different options, you get overwhelmed. It's the same thing with clients. So we want to make sure that what we are, it's a balance. What we are offering is not too much, but also not too little either. So as you can probably guess, deciding whether to add on a service or a product is not an easy decision. It's not something that we should enter into lightly at all, because we are committing to 
to something. We are committing to clients. We are changing fundamentally a lot of stuff about our business, how we're structured, and some of our whys possibly as well. However, offering new services is an exciting way to meet new needs of our clients. And it helps to show that we are adapting, that we are responsive, that we are looking forward to the future to clients' needs and anticipating them before they even realize that they need it. So taking both of those in hand and making sure we're not overcommitting, we're not undercommitting is part of what it means to be in business. And the service businesses are even more inclined to find that balance kind of tricky to make because we're people, people, we like to please, we like to say yes to people, but we have a business to run at the end of the day. So how do you walk that fine line? What kind of services have you found that you've added that have been successful? And maybe which ones didn't really quite work out well for you? We'd love to hear back from you and learn more about that. Yeah. And also, if you have offered digital products or services versus physical products or services, which one has been better for you, especially with the past two years? You can let us know at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. On today's Ask a Biz Coach segment with Natasha O'Banion, she answers the question, how do I streamline my client communication? Yeah, so anytime you're trying to create a workflow, you first you strategize, then you create a workflow, then you automate it. So you want to ask yourself in your strategy, where are all the clients' communications coming from? Are they coming from email? Are they coming from text? Are they coming from my software? Are they coming from Facebook? Are they coming from Instagram DMs? That's what I see often as clients are contacting us and every single platform where they need us, just anywhere. And so if you don't want your clients to call you, which most of us don't, then you want to put book now on your website. You want to actually direct the traffic. (laughs) So that's the only way to streamline is if you're actually telling the client where to go. If you tell me on your website to text you and call you, then I'm going to text you and call you as a client. And then in six months when you have, you know, 50 plus clients and you're frustrated and you're getting all these phone calls, well, I'm just the victim client. I didn't know that that wasn't what you wanted. I had no idea. But that's how it works when we don't think about the end in mind. So instead of saying, call me, text me, say, book here, get into our portal. You can actually communicate live with our team Monday through Friday. You can cancel services. You can update your notes. You can um, add additional services all in one place. Here's the link. In Automated CEO, we provide a quick starter guide for all of our clients. So you should consider adding a quick start guide in your business because when you onboard them, you'll say, this is our app. Go ahead and download it. Save it to your phone as a bookmark. So anytime you need us, you can go ahead and click the app. That's where we're going to communicate. But you got to tell them what to do from day one because... They just think it's like, this is just the way of life. And you may have evolved and you may have updated your life and like, okay, well, we tried that and that didn't work. So we have to evolve. But you got to go back in and tell your clients, hey, guess what, guys? We're so excited for new features, new ways to service you guys. Here's our brand new link for you to start contacting me here. (laughs) And then like stick to that. 
Yeah. You know, if you don't want them calling you anymore, don't respond back on the phone. If you don't want them texting, don't respond back on text. It's always our older clients have been with us for a while. You know, we're like 45 days in trying to break those habits. So be a little patient with your client, but it does start with us telling them where to go from day one in the onboarding process and on our website when they find us. Yeah, it's really overwhelming the number of places we put our businesses. We, we, we try and be everywhere. So people, like you said, can find us everywhere. But then it's trying to figure out what funnel do I want these communications to come through and really assessing. Now, it's not just, you know, what do I want to do, but what's best for my business? So you may like texting, but texting isn't a great place if you're trying to share that information with other employees or other people of your business. So trying to figure out where all this information can be stored so you're not having to duplicate that process as well. Absolutely. And that's the best that you just said is your is your team. So if you have all your communication on your cell phone starting off, you know, as maybe a hobbyist or just doing it on the side and it was easy on your cell phone, you didn't think about what it would be like, you know, in another year. You know, this business can go pretty fast on us, but if you're the only one having communication on your cell, no one else can communicate there. No one else can help you out. No one else can streamline calls from there. So you do want to think about moving it to Time to Pet, moving it to Pocket Suite, moving it to Grasshopper, Mighty Call. There's so many, you know, systems that you can use now for your team to see the transcribed voicemails, right? They'll come to your email now. You know, you can actually give your personal phone number to Grasshopper. And then anyone on your team or in a different country can view and see what's going on. So sometimes it's not just streamlining it, but streamlining it in a way where you can support your support team. If you would like to join Natasha's monthly membership group, you can do so at automatedceo.com and use the code... PSC 20 for 15% off. Thank you very much for taking your most valuable asset, your time and listening to this today and any of the other 283 episodes. We are forever grateful. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) 